0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. The one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. Welcome back once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I'm your host, David Lewis, and here is where we talk about the methods and technologies for driving growth. If this is your first time finding us on the channel, be sure to make your way back and the easiest way to do that is to click on the subscribe button in your podcast application but if you're more of a video oriented person like i am and prefer watching things on youtube know that we syndicate the content out to every popular podcast application as well as on our youtube channel which the fastest way to get there just type in your browser demandgen.tv or search youtube for demandgen, and you'll find us there I really think you should subscribe on the YouTube channel as well uh, because we cover not only interviews like the one we're going to have with Michael today, but we are featuring and have a lot coming up in showing you guys MarTech tools and sales tech tools, short little demos and how-tos on the various different uh, technologies out there. And so love to have you guys if you are a new member of my community and definitely feel you can connect with me on LinkedIn and drop a comment. Today's podcast, uh, Michael's been a guest a couple times. I, we couldn't figure out if it was three or four times, but it's, it's certainly more than once and it's now more than twice. And the reason I have Michael back on the program today is he has just finished publishing a book called The Marketing Operations Handbook. And I know many times on the podcast, I talk with you guys about the book that I created, Manufacturing Demand on Lead Management. And I love the fact that there is now a companion book out there on marketing operations. And so we're going to dive into that. Let's get our guest, Michael.
1: Hey, David, nice to see you again. Thank you for having me.
0: Nice to see you. By the way, talking about seeing people, did you happen to get out to the B2B conference that took place, uh, the Forrester conference? I did not go.
1: I did not go. I have not been released from travel for my company yet. And slowly, slowly the travel funds are being released. So hopefully I get to travel this year.
0: Cool. Well, if you guys are looking at us on YouTube, I'm just gonna hold it up. Like I said, Mike wrote the Marketing Operations Handbook. There is a forward by Scott Brinker. Many of you know Scott. Uh, he is infamous for uh, the logo graphic of all the different Martech uh, tools that are out there, which is now over nine thousand. And uh, he wrote your forward. Let's start off, Michael. So you're a marketing professional, seasoned marketing professional, and sounds like during the pandemic you may have uh, had more time around your computer at home. But what was the reason for for writing the Marketing Operations Handbook, other than maybe having a little bit more access to your to your keyboard those days?
1: Yeah, he was part time killer and is also inspired by just by my my uh, my team, really, as I was, um, you know, managing the team at my various companies. I had all these marketing operations people coming on and everyone learns from scratch in marketing operations. And I remember back in 2001 when I started, I was the 50th customer of Marketo we were on Salesforce and we actually dumped Salesforce for sugar at some point wow. and moved back. So that that's how nascent the SaaS was and marketing operations were back then. And I was right there in the forefront. I was talking to some of my colleagues about that. And it was amazing to think, you know, the aloka group of people we had in Colorado and we would just be, building stuff in Eloquo in and, and learning as we go. And there was no one to teach us anything because Marketing Ops has really started with the advent of SaaS in 2000, 2001. And so as I was talking to people, you know, generating all this knowledge over these time, and I, I kept bumping into people saying, wow, where, where do you learn this? Where can I go to just learn the basic outline of what Marketing Ops is? What's its mission? What's its purpose? Um, and then the structure of a team and just the, the really the basics. And so that's kind of what, gave, gave me the idea. And then, you know, over COVID, you know, obviously a lot of time and the book kind of wrote itself um, because, you know, there's just so much um, I've been in the the industry for so long. I just, you know, kind of writing it over the last 20 years.
0: Nice. Well, I'm, I'm glad you did it. I'm glad you wrote the book and I feel like so much has evolved in, in B2B marketing over the past several years uh, that, you know, documenting, these processes and the methodologies um, is really helpful, especially for people getting started. So I want to ask you who, you know, it's a marketing operations handbook, it's about 125 pages. You definitely can read it on a flight uh, cross country, which I did, I read it from Chicago to, uh, well, it's not full cross country, I guess, they're mid, but I read it from Chicago to, to California, by the way, it was very nice not to wear a mask on that flight, uh, that was a historic time for me. But, uh, you know, as, as many of the folks who have been listening to the podcast know, I'm at an interesting point in my career because, you know, I sold my company, Demand Gen, which was founded to help people with the use and adoption of marketing technologies, develop marketing operations functions uh, and such. Sold that to BDO Digital, which I'm now part of, and BDO Digital didn't have an internal marketing department. They used a shared uh, national marketing group as, out of the parent organization. So we are now, for the first time, putting together a marketing department and michael given your book i'm going to talk about some of the content that's in your book that's extremely relevant for the work that we are doing right now and so having read the book and then having some meetings over the past couple of weeks i was like you know what i'm going to make sure i bring up that page in this chapter uh in that content for example like you know establishing a marketing budget how much money should you ask for in marketing as well as you know pipeline and, and kpis that you're going to put some numbers up for and contribute I wanted to ask you, like, who you think the primary audience for this book is in terms of where they are in their career to read a marketing operations uh, handbook.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's directed towards the two people, really, two crowds I hope can get the most out of it. One is the person just starting out in marketing ops um, that doesn't really understand the big picture. Because when you start marketing ops, you know, when I started, it was really take care of Marketo, send out emails, build campaigns. And that's grown to a tremendous um remit across the organization to beyond just supporting tech. And when people enter marketing ops, they usually enter at one of those points. They enter at, oh, you're going to run Marketo, or they enter at, you're going to run the reporting in Salesforce. And they never actually see the, the the large picture of marketing operations. So it's one to set that for the the person beginning. And then it's also for you know the CMO. I spoke at a CMO huddle. And a lot of these CMOs, they haven't seen, they've grown up organically with marketing ops. And so the marketing ops, they usually inherit when they move into a new position and they have maybe someone that runs Marketo, they might not have, or they might not know what an actually fully fledged, fully functioning, fully staffed marketing operations remit is and what it can do and the value that it can add. Um, so I like to think the books a blend of have really nice high level structure that a CMO can look at and say, okay, I have these functions. I can grade these functions and these are performing poorly. And now this book gives me a hand, uh, kind of a guide to get them to perform better. And then it's also for the, The big person beginning saying, wow, these are the areas that I should be looking into that I can provide value for my company that we're not currently doing that I can start looking at for my company. So I like to think it's really specifically for those two groups of people. But anyone in marketing, you know, you read it. If you've been in marketing ops, a lot of it could be repetitive. But when I read marketing books and, and I read them all as you do you, you always learn something. Yeah. From, from them in the way they might phrase something a little bit differently, or they graph something a little bit differently. So I think anyone marketing ops can get something from it, but it's really for the beginner and then the CMO that wants to understand what a fully functioning marketing ops yeah. organization might might look like. I
0: I, I would one hundred percent agree in terms of who your your target audience is. Having read the book and and doing so much consulting and advising myself, I I feel that people will get a few things out of it. Number one is. Um, If you are, like you said, early in your marketing operations career, maybe you're just entering marketing operations and you're looking for some ideas and confirmation in the direction that you're heading, you're going to get value from that. If you are working on a budget or if you're working on your waterfall metrics or demand funnel metrics, whatever you want to call it, uh, if you're working on what you're going to set as goals for pipeline contribution the book's gonna give you confirmation, right? You're giving ranges, you're giving examples of different size companies and and different things. So it's helpful for someone to see, you know, in black and white, okay, I'm not crazy, or yeah, maybe I'm not being aggressive enough in terms of 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 my goals. So I, I feel like that for sure. And then you're also really explaining what the breadth of the marketing operations function is. And I like what you said about um, the evolution of the role. When I was at Ellie Mae back in 2003, uh, my webmaster, Jamie Acevedo, uh, who's still around in the community, uh, shout out to Jamie. You know, he was our webmaster and I brought in Eloqua as you did. And I'm like, OK, who's going to own this thing? And he got it because he was the most technical one of the group. And and he and I would completely geek out on building everything from microsites. They had a term for him back then. The, what was the Eloqua microsite? Oh, remember, it had a it had a branded yeah. name. We'll get it back did to have that. A branded
1: name, You're right. Wow, what yeah.
0: were those? Anyway, so you know, coding those things up, building complex nurture streams, and scoring required a, a stronger technical acumen than certainly marketing had back then. I think in today's day and age, with certainly the millennial marketplace growing up in technology for most of their life, they're used to software. They're absolutely used to cloud-based applications. So, marketing technology is way more approachable. But uh, Jill Rowley used to say, "Right, a fool with a tool is still a fool." And so we had there weren't a lot of recipe books on on how to use these things. And so it's really nice to to see a tool, a book like yours, to to outline the discipline and and the roles and responsibilities. Let's let's talk about the budget chapter. I'm I'm going to open up to the the table of contents right here. I think you get into budgeting in in chapter two. Um, so, Mia. Kemp is our managing director at BDO digital she she's really the the head of marketing. we don't use the chief marketing officer title and she and I really share the responsibility for our strategy and um, she is day to day though responsible for the team uh, so we had to come up with a budget we had to say okay this is how much money we're gonna need for an organization that's you know we just closed out our fiscal year and we did 140 million in revenue. so at the time I put the budget together, We were about 25%, 30% lower than that. And I said, okay, what amount of money am I going to go ask the executive team for that they've never spent money on before for what we're going to do in marketing? And this is primarily a build year for us. Uh, And so the percentage that we came up with was 6%, which is kind of on the lower end of your scale. But the reason I went on the lower end of the scale was, was two motivations, Michael. One is I wanted to get the budget approved, And not like, you know, sticker shock them with some big, gigantic number. And also, I wanted to make sure that there was an ROI in year one that I could feel without a doubt, even in a build year, that we could show a sizable contribution to pipeline and to revenue. And as a percentage, if that number was too high, it might have been hard to show a sizable ROI. So that was the number that we came up with. And by the way, I don't know if you call it out in the book. That budget is inclusive of programs and people and technology, Mm -hmm. all of those elements. Was that the, the mindset that you had for the book on the inclusiveness of the budget?
1: Yeah, there's actually a table, I think, in that chapter that shows how marketing budgets split into, you know, your your program budget, which is your dollars you spend on demand gen, and then your kind of your whatever you want to call it, your headcount fixed tech budget. It should be about a 50-50, 60-40 split. Yeah. And then within that program budget, that's everything you do to generate dollars and then the other budgets, shared services or you know, support, fixed costs out of marketing. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's good to see yeah. your tables and and you know, if if I had to go to an executive team. Uh, again, one of the nice things about your book is I could have quoted the table as a source and made a reference to it in the pipeline, which is like, Hey, I'm not just making up these numbers. Here's someone who's collected and done the research and pulled it all together for you. So again, another, another reason to have the book and, and validation there. So then there was, uh, the next thing, which is our KPIs and, and what we're going to report out. And, uh, one of the things that I love, I, I really want to compliment you on your approach in that chapter, because it wasn't massive tables of numbers. You literally had a box that said year one, year two, year three. Wasn't longer than that, but a communication on the percentage of revenue that my marketing is, a quota, if you will, that marketing had. And then you had the breakdown of the numbers for that. Talk to me about that approach that you took, because I think it, you know, keep it simple, stupid, you know, the whole kiss uh, acronym. We always see marketing go way too crazy with the number of metrics that they want to report out, and really at the executive level, that's what matters. and And our slide to the executive team coming up in a week is 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 almost a, a replication of of the approach that you've taken. Talk to me about why you kept it so simple and what your recommendations you have to people when they're putting out. Here's what marketing scoreboard is going to look like.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, you have to keep it simple. And and that's that's the evolution of, of marketing ops and, and marketing in general that's happened, right, is in our nascent careers back in the 2000s, we would track things that didn't matter, right? And then as marketing has gotten more and more seated at that revenue table and has been considered revenue marketers, I drive bookings, marketers now, you know, pride themselves on that. You have to switch these higher level metrics. So that's, and then when you get to those higher level, You want them as now marketing has a seat at this revenue table, I like to call it. And that's the CFO is sitting there. The CRO is sitting there, the COO, right? And before marketing, you know, didn't often have a seat at that table. Um, Now they do and they need to show the relevant metrics and those metrics are those high level metrics of what you're talking about is what is the revenue I'm driving, which requires some type of sourcing model to be understood. And that's where marketing operations can really drive value is what is this sourcing model? How are you going to identify what is sourced by marketing and will the rest of the company buy into that? So when you show them a report and say we source this, everyone understands how that was sourced. Um, Then there's pipe what pipe are you going to drive Um, those are the two most important metrics Um, and then everything below those are really planning metrics that you run and you have and you own but you're not showing them to the board or your owners or your boss you're showing the amount of revenue you've driven uh closed or booked responsible for and the pipe that you're also responsible. And those are two really important metrics because the ROI in both of those will be very different depending on how well your sales team is closing. Um, And so obviously marketing doesn't close deals. They provide highly qualified deals that should close at a higher rate. Um, or you hope they do faster, bigger, um, you know, better win rate. And so you want to be able to understand the pipe you drove um, because if that's not closing at the right rate, so you're not meeting your bookings target, you want to have something to fall back to on your pipe as well. So you can understand, did you drive the right amount of pipe or did you not? Um, So those are the two highest level um, that you really want to show to the board. And then everything else is really just a planning metric.
0: Yeah. I, we don't have to look any further than what sales essentially does and sales puts up a number and those numbers are broken out maybe by region and by rep and that's what they're reporting and tracking to and i can't stress enough as you've um put into the book like don't overcomplicate your reporting because it's noise to the executive team uh and and you really want to just have a simple way to present it and a simple way to keep it keep it updated and that's exactly uh what we have what we have done the um one of the chapters that that you said you were a huge uh, fan of working on was the process uh chapter around process design and and management um talk to me about why that that chapter holds a special place in your heart and mind
1: yeah i mean that that for me is really where i felt during my career when i was providing value right and it doesn't come for a little bit right it, So there's five functional areas of marketing ops as I I lay them out. Um, Process and design. The one we're talking about now is one of the hardest ones. You have strategy and planning, which we just talked about. That's an area that marketing ops just is just recently getting into where they're now controlling the headcount. They're now budgeting for the CMO. They're planning bookings and pipeline. They're doing all sorts of stuff that usually the sales ops team does. Then there's, You know, reporting and metrics, the process and design function is the function that uh, creates business processes that drive value into the company. For example, one of those business processes is the sourcing model that I spoke about uh, in our earlier question is when marketing generates a lead how does that lead flow through? It could pass through five technologies depending on where it popped up. Um, How does it flow through? How is it consistently stamped and handled until it shows up on a salesperson's desk? They then close it. And then marketing knows with a pretty good accuracy that, hey, this closed deal was touched by these touches, by this SDR, if you have an SDR team, and then closed by this rep. And therefore, we are sourcing that back to marketing. I've been the source I use the sourcing model because it's one of the most it's a necessary evil. I did a um, we we talked about this in our last podcast contribution versus attribution right and that's essentially the contribution model you're looking at is um, none of them are perfect. Mm-hmm. There's no right way to build it. The most important thing is to understand how data is flowing to your system and make sure everyone is on board, sales included, and how you built that. And so when they do look at sourcing and they say marketing is responsible for this pipe and these bookings, they understand it. Um, and they're not snickering about it in the other room as sales might do when marketing and sales are not aligned properly. Um, and so that sourcing model is a is a. Uh, example of process design. Your lead scoring model is an example of process design. Your funnel tracking model is example of process design. All of these are processes that go through multiple technologies that drive value or help the marketing or prove value. So the CMO should be extremely interested in how are my leads being scored? How is my sourcing being tracked? And what does my funnel look like? And all three of those are process designs. That if they're not designed properly, the CMOs not going to be able to understand where they're getting their data from. They're not going to be able to roll it up to the board or their owner, and it's not going to be believable. Um, and that's an issue. And so the marketing operations is really the group that gives the CMO, um, you know, oomph uh, within within. The, so she can understand here. She can understand how that process is built. Um, that provides a lot of value to the company.
0: And the same way the CIO has the head of IT as Correct. their partner in crime. The CMO has a head of marketing operations. Um, in the team that we're building at BDO Digital now, we now have, I think, a total of 11 people on the team, where two months ago we had practically no one. Um, we hired a head of marketing operations out of the chute. So we're starting yeah. day one with one. This Perfect. is not someone that we're going to add in you know, later on. Uh, can't, can't say I did that back in the day. Um, but we and and that person's on board, even though we have some tools like we, the company already has an existing CRM and we already have a marketing automation system that we are using. The reason for hiring the head of marketing operas, operations from day one is for the planning of the processes and additional systems and integrations that we need to do so that when we talk about the strategy and how we're going to go to market, He or she, and it turns out in this case, he is going to put the infrastructure in place to support that strategy and the go-to-market motions that that we are doing, not someone that we want to hire later in. And the reason I'm saying this is I know from experience that if you hire like a Marketo administrator, Eloqua administrator, and don't have a marketing operations person on your team, and, and you're, you know, a mid to large size company, then this stuff is going to look like a big spaghetti ball at some point you'll be in pain and suffering have data issues analytics issues system integration issues then you go look for this marketing operations person who will spend the next year unwinding you know that 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 spaghetti ball uh and trying to and and not really have an impact so we're starting from day 1 just like we hired a head of content head of marketing operations head of uh client acquisition which we're calling head of demand gen but we didn't call the title that because it's Confusing because we have a demand gen group within BDO Digital and which what's the role? But you know, those were those were the the key lieutenants uh on Mia's uh team that we we felt uh and, and we successfully found. Let's talk about the role. You didn't spend a lot of time on this, but you touched on it about the role, the relationship rather between IT and marketing operations. Because here at BDO Digital, I know many other companies there's a Venn diagram that overlaps quite a bit. In some organizations, IT does the procurement uh, and high-level administration of systems, and then there's use and adoption by marketing operations. And in other organizations, marketing operations is responsible for vendor negotiation, RFPs, and all that type of stuff. And I'm curious to get your, you know, different-sized companies may be different, but what's your perspective on the importance of that relationship with IT and how you, you know, divide and conquer together? Because let's face it, we in marketing these days are stepping on the toes of the traditional IT department with the amount of infrastructure that we are buying and operating and putting the company responsible for, as well as certain systems like data systems and email marketing that have liability issues to the organization within marketing. Very, not, We didn't have those uh, responsibilities uh, or accountability years ago.
1: Yeah, it's, it's funny now that we have to work with IT because this all started because we wanted to work around IT, right? In the 2000, 2001, when cloud software came about, everyone was so happy, oh, now I don't need to talk to IT. I can just buy it, nothing needs to be installed and I can log on to my website and start using it. IT doesn't even have to know, right? Um, and that's and then all of a sudden, five years into it, marketing's like, oh God, I need someone to run this. And, and they learned what IT learned a long time ago. Um, and now you know i do touch on it a little bit and that there needs to be some business interlock with it um i've been probably now i think about six or seven journeys of marketing ops at various companies from fortune 100 to startups um i've never had it control any of the marketing tech um the only the only place where they always i usually see it is salesforce where it or is will control sales First, that's a company-wide system, um, and that's typically where I only see it. Now, um, does IT need to be aware of what I'm buying? Yeah. Do we need to be interlocked? Y- yes. Yes, of course. Um, I purchase all of the own software I deal with by vendors, and I actually have a, you know, vendor management is a chapter in my book on how do you deal vendor contracts? How do you assess the viability of a vendor? How do you assess your current tech stack? How do you replace tech? Um, and what do you look for and how do you get ROI out of tech? And so I think that's really important. IT can do that in an IT setting. They don't know marketing. They can't run a Marketo. They, they don't know what it's for. They don't know how to buy that tool. So asking them to take on that responsibility is a little bit of stretch of their their, their, their remit. So typically I, I don't see that um, in, in companies other than Salesforce for those reasons I mentioned is that that's not an expertise of it. Um, and so I don't see that often. I could, I occasionally, I did see it. My very small startup. I had to go, I had to tell it what I wanted to buy. Um, and they would just buy it for me, but that was the extent they were kind of procurement. Um, and that was the extent of it. Once I bought it, my team would support it, um, and, and make sure it was running properly.
0: Yeah. Well, let's talk about the last chapter, uh, the future of marketing operations, yeah. and uh, that's one hard thing to predict. By the way, right, Michael is is the future, but we're, we can yeah. we can we can put some stakes in the ground and and make some predictions. What do you think? Yeah. Uh, is it a is it a discipline that is that is here to stay at least for the next decade or two, or are we going to see a, a rebrand? And as some companies have gone in the direction of revenue operations, I'll weigh in yeah. after you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's definitely here to stay uh, a rebrand is, de- is coming for several reasons. I think marketing operations has become a critical part of the CMO mission. A CMO without marketing ops is, is, is dead in the water. So it's here to stay now where that operations group lies and what it's called is something else. Cause now what we're seeing is we're seeing mature marketing ops organizations standing up alongside mature sales operations organizations. And sometimes you know, at Fortune 100 companies, a mature channel operations, right? So all these groups are doing similar things. Um, And when I was at my Fortune 100 company, we were overlapping techs all the time. A company was so big it didn't matter, but we had, you know, uh, uh, data appending techs. We had um, pipeline techs, each one of us separate techs. now I'm at a smaller company, not Fortune 100, but it's about 800 people. And we did have, so it's smaller, more manageable. We had mature marketing and sales operations. And when I came on and they were overlapping techs, even in that company. Um, and they were, that marketing ops department was probably 15 people and the sales ops was probably 15. So not not large, and they still didn't communicate and have overlapping techs. Um, and then you get into the, the point where the CEO or the CRO or the CFO is asking for data and they don't know who to go to. Do I, who do I, oh, marketing has data, oh, sales has data, And then God forbid, they send different data. Um, and that often happens because marketing is splicing the data slightly different than sales splices it. So it's not technically wrong. It's spliced correctly, but it might say a different story. And that is not what you want to be communicating to anyone um, at, at a C-level, right? So joining these functions. So you still have a marketing operations function. You still have a sales operations function, but they're under one roof and they're doing it together. They're meeting together. They're buying tech together. They're designing processes together. Because now, as we know, there is no marketing process that just stops at a lead. It goes into the ops. So marketing is in the opportunity object. Sales is in sales ops is in the opportunity. So we need to have a cohesive group that can make decisions on what's going to happen. And these groups need to understand what each other is doing. So within the revenue operations group, we call it revenue operations because it's now supports the revenue groups, channel sales and marketing. Um, there are those discrete disciplines. I do have a marketing ops person that looks after our technical stack. On the analytics side, I have someone that's very good at sales analytics, and I have someone that's very good at marketing analytics. And then I have some people that do both as they just take in tickets, but I have expertise in both those areas, but they're called revenue operations. So when tickets come into the system, anyone can really pick it up and they start to cross learn, they start to understand what marketing is doing, what sales is doing. So you don't have this division, because I think one of the biggest thing that drives the marketing and sales division are the operations groups. And that's to the detriment of them because what happens and I've seen it is salespeople will ask sales operations about marketing processes sometimes. And I get this all the time. Sales will say, Hey, I got this lead from marketing. It said it was qualified. It doesn't look qualified to me. What, what is marketing doing? Or what is this campaign or these, these ops are not that good. What's going on? Sales one doesn't understand enough to be able to combat maybe misinformation, sales operations, doesn't understand the marketing process enough to combat that misinformation that's floating around the field, which happens a lot in bigger organizations, or they just don't understand enough to be able to explain and they give the wrong answer or no answer. And that question perpetuates and that the salesperson never gets it answered. Um, So there becomes this block of, and it can happen, where sales does not have confidence in anything marketing is putting out. And marketing has no confidence in anything that sales is doing because the operations teams are not telling each other what's going on. And they're each doing a lot of stuff. Um, And so I think breaking down those barriers, one within the organization to help alignment, and then giving the the people within those teams the ability to understand the full remit of the demand engine, because that's essentially what they're doing. They're they're looking, they're they're the keepers of the demand engine and the how they're almost like I like to they're kind of like mechanics and the demand engine is the engine of the company. They're making sure it's running as efficiently as possible. And that engine crosses across marketing and channel and sales. And so you can't have those groups working in silos.
0: Nice. I, I agree with you Um, on the rebrand. My, my perspective there is I don't like the term revenue operations because it dehumanizes uh, the business Uh, really sales is about client acquisition and expansion and marketing is about uh, creating awareness and interests and desire and action as well as client engagement. And when we dehumanize that we have products and services to help people and solve fundamental problems and just make it revenue operations, that, that's where I just emotionally uh, struggle with with the term. However, synergistically, I, these, these teams need to come together because the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. If they are separate in their operations, right? Look at sales enablement tools, often procured by marketing, or you purchase a Marketo or a HubSpot or a Pardot and you have sales enablement tools, that's for the sales team, but platforms that are being um, procured by marketing. Then you've got a CRM system, which is insanely valuable to marketing if used effectively and, and properly, and especially with lead management. So. These systems are shared across not only sales and marketing, but the customer success team as well. And you have cloud-based applications for customer engagement. Uh, And so in operations function across sales and marketing and customer success is absolutely the the North Star and the place to get to whatever you're going to call it, because all these systems have to be well integrated and aligned to support the strategy, the growth strategy of the business. So that's my point of view there. Um, I'm going to give you a little shit uh, or, or inspiration for uh, the second edition. Uh, Perfect. We've done a lot of work on the D3 methodology, and I just want to say to you, uh, you have full use of that content for the second edition whenever you get to it. Because I think the the models and awesome. frameworks that we have in there are helpful additions to the content that you've created. More structure. So, my gift to you, sir, if you need uh, and, and get working on the second edition. Uh, Saw a lot of the content in there. In there, that uh, you know, you and I think very, very much alike and ha- share similar passions. So I just wanted to. That is my gift to the future of of your content. And I think what we could do is is possibly do some content together around um, how to take marketing the marketing operations handbook and apply that to the things that we've covered in our D three methodology. By the way, for all of you uh, listening and watching, I will make sure in the notes below. That we have a link to Michael's book on Amazon, that we have a link to my book, if you've never grabbed a copy on on lead management, which are um, supporting capabilities. Mike mentions them in the book around lead scoring and lead (laughs) nurturing and the demand funnel. So they go very well together on your bookshelf and read them. Uh, And then links to the D3 methodology, the stuff that I'm mentioning right now, which is a really holistic methodology for driving revenue, driving growth of which marketing operations, of course, is, is part of. Um, but Michael, thank you for taking the time, silver linings and everything, right? I mean, COVID was a very difficult time around the world. But if one of the things that, that come out is, is people like you taking some extra time to bring your knowledge and your expertise over a couple decades of, of experience in this area and bring it to, uh, the world. Thank you for doing that. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was fun to write and I appreciate you having me on again,
0: David. Absolutely. Hopefully not the last. All right. Stick around, Michael to all of you uh thank you so much for tuning in i know i started the episode talking about uh encouraging you guys to subscribe um, i just want to say that again we create content for you guys every week uh interviews like the ones with michael and other marketing practitioners we have a lot of show and tell on the youtube channel which is demand gen tv and would love to uh, connect with you guys on linkedin i've got about eleven thousand 000 connections in, in my network and i really I really enjoy the conversations with you guys when you reach out. Maybe you're considering a a job change and you need a sounding board or you're looking for some mentoring and coaching uh, around what you're doing in marketing operations or demand generation. Uh, I don't have all the answers by any means, but uh, I love to help. And my team is there for you as well. And my network is there for you. So my network is your network. And, um, you know, like I like to say, none of us are smarter than all of us. So let's stay connected. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Take care.